Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. Loving God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our might. We've been looking at our our series, Come Closer, Seven Commands to Draw Closer to God. Each of our last three messages have been focused on entering into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but also coming closer to him through the continual decision to follow him by faith. When we come to the next command that Jesus gives us in the Gospels, it is a foundational command that every other command that Christ gives after someone enters into the salvation relationship is important to. Because this one command is the very reason why we want to follow the other commands. The Bible tells us if we love him, we will keep his commandments, right? And so when we look at this today, we're going to look at come closer, love God with everything. If we love God with everything, what does that mean? We're going to follow the commands that he's given us. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, it says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started into the message. God, I thank you for how you orchestrate everything, how you bring everything together, that you are sovereign in those things. And then, Lord, it just blows our mind when we see how you are leading and directing for such a time as this. Lord, obviously, there must have been something from Sunday school and from this Sunday morning message that you had planned for particular people, for a particular person. Lord, I think it's, it's good for all of us, but Lord, I also know that in your sovereignty, many times when we come to church, you have a specific message for specific people. And Lord, I pray that all of us would have this heart to love you with everything, because the most important part of our life is to bring glory to the Father, is to bring glory to you. And how can we do that if we don't love you with everything? God bless this service according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the very first words in this command, love, is key to understanding the desire to fulfill this command. When we know how to love someone, pleasing them becomes priority. Those of us who have a uh, spouse that are married, we understand that love becomes the priority of pleasing our spouse, right? We, it should anyways. We, we better be because if not, our relationship's going to fall apart, right? Now, I'm going to tell you something about God that shouldn't surprise you. God's love for us never changes. We saw that last week when we saw the simplicity of God's love, how a child believes in love simply. When somebody says that they love them, they believe that they love them. Well, God's love never changes. It's always the same. He loves us no matter what. Even when we fail, he still loves us. Now, we know the Bible also tells us he, lo- uh, he chastens those whom he loves, right? 
Now, I'm glad that God's love towards us is not fickle like our love towards others, because our love can be fickle sometimes, right? Uh, and there's times even in marriage where we probably don't feel very much in love, right? Uh, we might even be a little bit bitter towards each other, and that's not good, right? But that love is important because it allows us to see a pleasant relationship with our spouse, There's a reason why God in Ephesians chapter 5 paints the picture of the relationship with the church and Christ as the picture of a husband and a wife, a marriage relationship. Because it's the very type of relationship that God desires for us to have with Him. To have that same type of love towards Him. Why do we want to please God? Because we love God. Now, does that give us extra favor from God? We've been learning, no, it does not. We receive 100% of God's favor on our life the moment that we come to know Christ as our Savior. Even as we looked at Deuteronomy in Sunday school this morning, God's uh, uh, um, explaining to them, hey, keep my commandments. Hey, I'm taking you out of Egypt where you had to work for your food, and I'm taking you to a promised land where everything's already taken care of for you, and all I'm asking you to do is follow my commands. I've already provided my favor for you, but you have to follow what I've told you to do in order to have the favor that I promised you. And when we see Israel gets there, hey, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Man, the, the grapes are so large, it took two people uh, to carry it uh, out, of the, out of the city. It's an amazing place. But what do we see happen to Israel over time? Is it like that today? It's a desert place. Why? Because they failed to keep God's commandments and to love Him the way that He Desired for them to love him. He had already given them all the favor that they could ever have on their life, but they chose to abandon it, and now they live in a desolate place. How many times in our lives does God tell us to love him with everything that we have, but then we decide, well, God, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to follow our own desires. We're going to do whatever we want to do, and then we find ourselves in a desolate place, in a desert, in a place where we're like, God, I can't feel your love any longer. I don't feel that stream of mercy that you have towards me. Why? It's not because God has changed. It's because we failed to obey the command that God has given us. Now, this isn't the first time this command was given by the Godhead. We understand that. Uh, when, When we know how to love someone, pleasing them becomes our priority. And this is probably one of the hardest commands to follow. Because the command is to love God with everything you have. And we live in a world where everything else is vying for our attention, including our own self-love. We're selfish. And we're going to learn as we continue to look at the commands of Christ. This is a pattern. He tells us to deny ourself. You want to love God with everything? Then deny yourself. Deny, Deny your own desires. And say, God, I want to love you with everything. I want to follow you with everything. Loving God takes an effort and a focus on our part, but also a surrender and an acknowledgement to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's the one who gives us the power to live as God wants us to live. 
But again, I, I believe a lot of churches today, they have ignored the Holy Spirit's power in their life. We, we, we look at it as a scary thing. Well, we, we better not talk about the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that that's why God gave us a pastor is to be the Holy Spirit? You, you're, you're wrong. If you think that, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. I, I mean, don't go on a road trip with me. I, I might get lost. You know, don't, don't, don't expect me to give you direction for your life. God's giving you the Holy Spirit as a Christian in your life to guide and direct your life. But you have to choose to learn to listen and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to continue to emphasize that as a church. Why? Because it's what God's given us. It's the greatest gift outside of salvation that God has given us. And that's someone who can guide and direct our lives in the way that we're supposed to. But we have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Now, we know, like I said, this isn't the first time that this command is given. If you go to Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 5, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. So Jesus is repeating a command from the Old Testament. Just as Jesus repeats this commandment in the New Testament as a foundation to follow the commands that he gives, God, when he originally gives this command in Deuteronomy, was also setting this up as the foundational command to obey all the other commands that he gave to Israel. He said, hey, I'm going to give you these commands. And I want you to follow them. But the reason why I want you to follow them is because I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. The whole reason why the Ten Commands were given to us. Now we understand that there's 613 commands throughout the Bible. The Ten Commands are still good for today. And we're learning that in Sunday school. How do we know it's still good for us today? Jesus repeats all but one of them in the New Testament for us to, to, to listen to. And the one that he doesn't is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't have a day of rest? I think we should. God established from the very beginning of time. He says six days has the Lord created and on the seventh he rested. Six days to work, one day to rest. I think it's important for us to take time to rest. Now, do we worship on the Sabbath day on Saturday? No, we worship on Sunday. Why? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And now every Sunday that we come together, we are celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Ten Commandments are important. The first five that were given to us are all about our relationship with God. The last five that are given to us are all about our relationship with people. So they're very important. These are foundational for who we are. Let's look at more of the context that brings this command in, uh, um, from Deuteronomy into understanding. In chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding the children of Israel of the Ten Commands that were given to him on the mountainside by God. And then as we come into chapter 6, Moses directly tells us how these commands are to be kept. So we're going to read the first seven verses of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, 
all the days of thy life, and that the days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that thou might increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest down in thine house, and when thou wakest, uh, uh, walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when you rise up. Do you get the picture that these commands are important? But he also told us the reason why these commands were given to you is so that you would love God with everything. You know, we all struggle with this command. It's no secret. I struggle with it. You struggle with it. My wife struggles with it. Brother Glenn struggles with it. We struggle with this command to love God with everything. Do we believe that God's word is true? Yeah. But why do we struggle then to live the way that God calls us to live? We have flesh. We have the old man still inside of us who battles us who fights against us, but so many times I think that we also willfully yield to the flesh. Why? Because sometimes we think we know better than God. Well, God, you tell me not to do this, but I know how that's going to make me feel. God, you tell me that I should live this way, but I think that that life looks more pleasing. You know, it's fun to be a Christian. It's great to be a Christian. It's wonderful. We, it's not that we have to sit inside of a church acting like uh, monks who just do Gregorian chants every day. We get a chance to go out into this world and to tell people about Jesus and to sing about the goodness of God. And we get to see all the blessings that he puts on our life because we have his favor on our life as his children. And it's a wonderful thing. But sometimes we take those things for granted because we get distracted by everything that the world has. But everything that the world has is one day going to perish by fire. It's all going to be burned up. God says, I want you to love me with everything. We see that this is a foundational command, not only for the individual, but a foundational command for the family of the followers of God. Because did you notice who he said to teach it to? To your sons and to your son's sons. And when you lie down, talk about the goodness of God and these commands. And when you walk by the way, talk about the, the things of God. When you sit at the table, talk about the things of God. When you get up in the morning, talk about the things of God. He says, this is so important. It's so foundational to who you are personally, but also who your family is. You say, well, Pastor Aaron, you know, my, my, my family's all grown up. My family's all out of the house. You know, do you have a phone? Can you call and talk to them? Can you invite them to sit down at the table and talk about the things of God? Well, what, about my, what, what if my family doesn't want to talk about God? Find ways to talk about God anyways. Tell them about how much you love God and what, what blessings God has been putting on your life. You don't necessarily have to preach at them, God. 
You can say, hey, can I, can I share something I've been learning at church? I, I know you really don't like to talk about God. Maybe it's because they've been hurt by religion. Maybe it's because they've been hurt by a church in the past. And they don't want to talk about those things. But as you're learning the word of God, you can say, you know what? I'm learning some things. You know, those traditions that we used to hold, that we used to try to put on you, I'm, I'm actually learning those weren't really biblical. Admitting that you're wrong about things can sometimes open up a great opportunity to talk about how good God is. We see that it's a foundational command, though, for our families. He wanted them to live the command, to teach the command, and to pass the command on from generation to generation. So for Jesus to repeat this command is important because we see the same foundational command from the Old Testament continues right into the life of Jesus Christ. And you know where else it goes? It comes right to where we are today. This was being taught from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. And it still needs to be taught today. As we were looking at in Sunday school, we, I asked the, the teens a question, is it wrong to like you know, sports stars or famous people? No, not necessarily. But what is the purpose of our life? To bring glory to God, to glorify Him. That is the whole purpose of us still being here is to bring glory to God. And so when he gives us this command, it sets up the foundation for everything else he's going to tell us to do. Because everything else that he tells us to do is for the purpose of glorifying God. Amen. When we get this understanding in our mind, then maybe we won't look at commands as such a bad thing. Again, when we talked about this uh, originally, when we started talking about what commands are, it's because we have this, this negative connotation in our mind what a command is. We think of it as a general telling us and ordering us to do something. Or we think of it as a dictator saying, you will do this or you will die. When instead we should be looking at it from the eyes of a parent to a child. The commands that he gives us are good, and they're for our own good, just like we tell our kids to brush their teeth. Why? So they don't have rotten teeth, right? Just like we tell them to learn to take care of themselves and to cleanse themselves and, and to take baths and to wash their face. It's all good. It's all for their good. It's not this, this hey, I, I don't go to my kids and say, you better wash your face or I'm going to kill you. Well, that'd be ridiculous, Right? Wouldn't it? If you don't brush your teeth, I'm going to throw you in prison. How ridiculous is that? Right? No, it's because I'm saying, hey, I want what's best for you. And this is good for you. And I'm coming to you as your loving father. And I'm trying to help you enjoy the best of life. And so every command that is given to us by Christ is the same exact thing. It's not as a dictator coming and telling us, this is what you have to do or I'm going to hate you forever. Because the Bible tells us that God is love. 
He is love. That is his character. He's not as a general saying, you better march because I told you to march. No, he's as a father saying, hey, listen, I I want what's best for you. And I'm going to give you some instructions. And you may not always understand the instructions, but understand I am your loving father who only wants what's best for you. As parents, we should understand that. Anybody that was raised by parents should understand that. So that that should be everybody. Everybody's had parents in their life. Even if parents weren't always the best. You still had people who loved you in your life to tell you and give you instructions to help better your life. So let's take a dive into what the command does not say first. And then we're going to look at what the command does say. So number one, what the command does not say. You might be thinking that there's a lot of things that the command doesn't say. It only tells us to love God with our heart and our soul and our mind. But this is huge for us to understand what God is saying. If he tells us to love him with our heart, soul and mind, it means every part of us. God didn't say this, though. He didn't say, if you love the Lord your God, fear him, sacrifice to him, worship him, serve him, work hard for him, praise or give to him. He told them to love him. It's important to realize that the greatest of all commandments in both the Old Testament and the New Testament directs us to love. This command distinguishes it from other religions. This distinguishes God from every other little g-god. Many people have a false view of God, and they painted a picture of Him that simply isn't true. God in His command to love shows that his desire is different than how most people view God. If God was an angry God, he might desire obedience first and foremost. If he was a God of war, he might desire acts of servitude. An insecure God would want unattainable amounts of praise and worship before anything else. But what did God ask for? To love him. To love him. Now, is worship part of love? But did God demand us to worship him? He demanded us to love him. That's his command. Love me. See, when we get this idea out of our head that God is looking at everything that we're doing to prove our love, rather than who we are in Christ, it will transform how we love God. There's too many people who sit in churches today who think that loving God is all about what I do. But loving God is all about who you are in Christ Jesus. And when we learn to love God that way, then the doing will come naturally 
because we're doing the acts out of love. Sometimes in marriage, Pastor, you use the illustration of marriage a lot. Well, why? Now, again, this is how God compared our relationship with him, right? In my marriage, there's times where we might be upset at each other. And we'll sit there and say, fine, I'll do this. And I love you. But we certainly don't show it. We'll do things because we have to. And you know what? Usually the wife recognizes when we're doing things because we have to. And aren't doing it out of love. Can I get an amen? (laughs) And you know what? Usually... Well, maybe not as much as the wife does. Sometimes the man recognizes when the wife is doing things because they feel like they have to rather than because they love you. And it's evident. You know how it's evident? In our relationship with God. And when we got into the place where we're doing things out of servitude rather than love. We begin to brag on ourselves. Well, look at all the things I do at the church. Or we even do it in the negative way. I'm so worn out because I'm involved in this ministry and this ministry and this ministry and this ministry. Oh, sometimes this is just such a burden. But I'm doing it because I love Jesus. That's not love. And God can see that. So this command that he's given us, first of all, again, isn't a command that says fear, sacrifice, worship, serve, work hard, praise, and give to me. He said to love him. In 1 John 4, 19, he says we love him because he first loved us. That's a pretty amazing thought to think about, too. You realize that we would never really love God if it hadn't been that he loved us first. We can't even know love apart from God. We can't understand it apart from God. And yet, unfortunately, so many churches have said, well, if you really love God, you're going to do all these things that we tell you to do. And God says, I just want you to love me with everything. Number two, what does this command say? So we saw what the command did not say, what this command does say. You might be thinking, okay, I understand that God's commands us to love, but doesn't he also desire us to respect him and worship him and praise him and sacrifice and work and give to him? Yes, he does. He desires for us to do those things. But God knows that if we learn to reflect the love that he has shown us, that we will find joy in obedience. We'll find joy in sacrifice. We'll find joy in worship. We'll find joy in praise. Because he first loved us. When we learn to love God with everything, 
all the rest of it will come naturally because it will be out of the outflow of our love that we do those things. It won't be because we feel like we have to or we're forced to. It'll be because we say we want to. Look, I, I love my wife. I love Renee. And I want to give her all the world. She's my everything. Apart from Jesus Christ, she's everything to me. And I want to give her all the love that I can give her. Why? Because she's precious to me. And that relationship is so important to me. So it's not unreasonable. It would not be unreasonable for Renee to say, I want you to love me with everything, Aaron. Not just part of you. I want you to love me with everything. Because you're the person that God has put in my life. And our marriage relationship relies on us loving each other with everything. It's no different than our relationship with God. And it's even greater than a marriage. Why? Because God gave us everything. So he has the right to command us to love him with everything. But this should transform our mind as we start to think about this now. Hey, God, I love you. And you know what? Hey, there's church today. And to show my expression of love to you, I'm going to go and I'm going to be with your people who you love equally as much as me. And, and God, I, I'm going to worship Today, I, I might not be able to sing, God, but I want to lift up my voice to you in praise. Because I love you. Hey, God, I get the opportunity to express my love for you as a pastor by preaching your word. How amazing is that? That this gets to be what I get to do every Sunday. It's not out of duty. It's not out of feeling like I have to. It's because I love you. And I want to express that love to you. You see how this transforms our minds? How it transforms the things that we do for service? We do it out of love rather than obligation. That's what he desires from us. To love him with everything. You know, he doesn't want us to do those things out of obligation. To try and prove our love for him. But he wants us to do those things because we love him. Here, here's the thing. Those, again, uh, do kids have to be, do you have to prove your love to kids? No. You just say, hey, I love you. And you take care of their needs. And you get them the things that they, that they need to have in their life. And you feed them. And you put a shelter over their heads. They don't have to be, you don't have to prove your love to them. They see it. In a marriage, again, if I'm having to work on proving my love to Renee, that's because there's a problem in our marriage. 
It's because I probably messed up someplace. Or it's because I'm hiding something in my life. We don't have to prove our love to God. We just have to love Him. And obey Him. And all the rest of these things fall into place. You know, there's a big difference between doing things out of obligation and doing things out of a genuine heart for love. With this command, is, uh, what it's telling us is that God desires our genuine love for Him, not all the meaningless things done because we feel obligated to do them. If you remember back in the Old Testament, Saul is waiting for Samuel to arrive to, uh, to give a sacrifice. Now, Saul had already messed up many other times. But at this point in time, he's waiting for Samuel to come and give a sacrifice to God. And he waits, and he waits, and he waits, and he waits, and Samuel doesn't seem like he's coming. Now, Samuel was responsible to give the sacrifice because he was the high priest. But Saul jumped the gun. Saul said, well, Samuel must not be coming, so I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice as the king. And so he does. And just as they're finishing the sacrifice, Samuel arrives. Samuel's irate, upset, and rightly so. It was his job to do the sacrifice. Yet Saul decided he was going to do something out of obligation. And you know what Samuel said to Saul? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. I can imagine Saul, but I sacrificed. Isn't that what he wanted from me? Isn't that what we're obligated to do? Isn't that what I should be doing? There's many people that come to churches who work in churches who will get up and say, well, look at all the things I'm doing. I'm sacrificing. I'm giving. Yet God's been telling you, hey, I have something different for you to do. I have a different spot that I want you to fill. Right now, I need you to sit and rest and pray. But God, I'm sacrificing. I'm doing everything a Christian's supposed to do. You know what God says? To obey is better than sacrifice. Why? Because obedience is an act of love. With this command telling us that God desires our genuine love for Him, not all the meaningless things done because we feel obligated to do them. Here's an example when it comes to what God desires in our giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. But then you know what he says? Not grudgingly or out of necessity. For what? God loves a cheerful giver. He'd rather you give out of love than to give out of duty. This command also leads us to the second command. When our love and relationship with God is correct, our love and relationship with others will be healthy. It will cause us to demonstrate God's selfless love to those who enter into our lives 
Because when we love God like he loved us, we are reflecting that love both to him and to others. He desires your love more than blind obedience. And he always has. Don't just go through the motions in your Christian life. Live as one who's in love with him. If you find your love for God has grown cold, ask him to fan the flame once again in your heart. Because here's the thing. I know. For so long, I did things out of obligation, out of duty, and not out of love. I'm I'm thankful for my mom. Uh, She would always remind me of some things. There would be times when um, I would get upset about some things that were happening at church in, in Georgia, and I'm sure it will happen here too, and I'm sure I can already hear my mom saying these words in my mind even here. But there'd be things I'd be like, well, I've done all these things, and it just seems like this person's not satisfied with it. And she'd say, Aaron, are you there to serve God, or are you there to serve the person? Because if you're there to serve the person, you're going to get frustrated because people mess up. And people don't always uh, uh, appreciate the things that are being done. But you got to get your focus right. Because if you believe that God's put you there to serve Him, then to ser- serve Him with everything, no matter whether somebody's praising you or acknowledging you or anything else, serve Him. And the only way we can do that is to serve in love. Because churches are full of people who are serving, serving Him. Who are frustrated because they're doing it out of duty and obligation and necessity. Rather than out of a genuine heart of cheerfully giving to the work of God. So, have you been guilty of doing what you do as a Christian out of obligation. Stop! Stop it! It isn't pleasing to God. It doesn't bring Him joy. And it doesn't bring you joy. It does nothing but makes you miserable and trying to keep up with the appearances. But God isn't so concerned about how much you appear to be a follower of Him. He knows what is really in your heart. Because you can sit there and appear all day long like you love Jesus and not love Him at all. 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, Because I've refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now, do I believe that as we serve the Lord, it'll be reflected on our appearance? Absolutely. But you know what? You can tell if you carefully look. Pastor, this sounds like judging. You can tell when somebody's doing something out of obligation in the church and when somebody's doing something because they truly love Jesus 
That sounds like judgment. No, it's truth. You've been around them. The people are like, all right, I get to serve Jesus today. It's wonderful. I have to do this today. I got to do children's church today. And then you can see the other people. Woo, it's children's church time. I can't wait to teach these kids. Man, I can't wait to tell them about the love of Jesus. I can't wait to tell them all that they're wanting to do. You can also see it on the pew when you have people out here going, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. And the people who are out there going, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because you can see a genuineness in their love for Christ. But God looks on your heart. He knows whether you're doing things out of obligation or whether you're doing things out of love towards him. And here's the thing. You might be able to put on an appearance and trick people in the church for a little while, but you're never fooling God. And he says, love me with everything. And it might be time for you to look at your life and say, God, am, am I doing things out of pure obligation? Am I doing the things that I'm doing because I feel like I have to because that's what's expected of me by people? Am I doing it because I love you and I want to serve you? Because if you're doing it to please people, you might as well stop. Because it's not pleasing to God. And I know this sounds weird because, man, I want to see a church full of people. And my prayer is that people get their hearts right. But if you're coming to church because you feel obligated to come to church and not because you have a genuine love for Jesus Christ, you're better off staying home. You're better off not coming. To put on the appearance. That's like putting lipstick on a pig. Because God sees your heart. You might be saying, Pastor, that's kind of mean. My hope for you is, is that if you've been coming out of obligation, is that today you'll say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for doing things out of obligation and out of necessity. And God, would you restore the joy of coming to church? The joy of serving Jesus? There's an old hymn. There is joy in serving Jesus as I travel on the way. That's all I remember. <laughs> but there is joy in serving Jesus. There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus. <laughs> I remember some parts of it, but there really is joy in serving Jesus. But that joy can only come if we're doing it because we love him with everything. When you choose to do things out of a genuine love for God rather than an obligation, you're going to find that those things bring you joy. They bring a light to your life, and they give you a reason to praise God. You'll find that when you're doing things because of your love rather than obligation, it brings a brand new freedom in serving the Lord 
in listening to the Holy Spirit. Thank you.